Good morning. My name is Brenda Whitaker, and I will be reading uh, from Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. In 2018, uh, following his term as the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Murthy crossed paths with two old friends at a private retreat that they had scheduled in Colorado. And the three men found themselves in an honest conversation about life, uh, and themes began to emerge. His recollection of that retreat with his friends went something like this. In these unguarded conversations, we realized that we were all struggling with similar questions. What to do for work, how to do right by our families, and how to address the loneliness in our lives. Now, that comes from the Surgeon General of the United States, And it's apparent that if you have that kind of job, you're in contact with a lot of people. He went on to say that he recognized, in spite of his love and connection with his family and the busyness of his life, that there was something in his life that also identified him as lonely. He said, as I began to address the national issues that people all over the United States had, like obesity, opioid addiction, and depression, it became obvious to me that loneliness ran like a dark thread through many of the more obvious issues. He was so intrigued by his own loneliness and that of others that he did some research and wrote a book. The title of the book is Together, The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. He was the first medical professional on record that I know of that described loneliness as a medical illness. He even called it an epidemic. Listen to his words. In an insidious type of stress, it is an insidious type of stress that leads to chronic inflammation and an increased risk of heart disease, arthritis, and diabetes. Loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
That's remarkable. Um, that's not just somebody pontificating. It's somebody who did a deep dive into the research and watched it nationally in a way that other people perhaps did not. I, I would like to take that theme, if you'll allow me, and connect it to the life of faith and how important it is in a community of faith to be connected. Because not being connected to a community of faith, according to the author of Hebrews that we just read in chapter 10, can be lonely and even devastating to faith. Why is community so essential to deep faith? I want to give you four simple reasons that emerge out of the Hebrew epistle and other places in the scripture. The first is this. Community shapes your faith. Imagine for a moment that you are on a pedestal and you're a blob of clay. You know what's about to happen. There's someone sitting on a stool and usually they're moving it with their foot, with a pedal. And you, the lump of clay, are spinning around and around and around and the person who's the potter is taking his or her hands and shaping you. The point is this, your faith is literally shaped like that in community. That's where its most profound shaping takes place. Let me put it more drastically. I've studied the Bible for a long time, and theology, and philosophy, and history. And I cannot understand God on my own. Not academically, not experientially. I cannot understand God on my own fully without being own fully without being in community. I cannot. I'm alone. And me and my Bible, just me and my Bible is a dangerous place to be because I can go off on tangents. I can think I completely understand the Bible and in the context of community, you and those around you provide a corrective for me and for those around you. It is absolutely important, no doubt, to emphasize, reinforce the basic elements of the faith. That is why, for instance, every communion Sunday, we read some sort of creed. Not because the creed is perfect. Not because it's worded perfectly. Not because we might not disagree slightly in a nuanced way with something about it. What the creed did... In about 500 years, these creeds were developed. It took the essentials of the faith and boiled them down and put them into language so that we would have, shall I say, guardrails 
to keep us going off to the right or to the left, to interpret the Scripture itself. They're incredibly important. For those of you who are lucky enough to be in the membership class with me at 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to do a deeper dive on that. (laughs) So one of the things we do in the membership class is consider the tradition of the community of faith that's beyond ourselves. I, I want to say that there are certain things that are absolutely foundational, and the writer of the book of Hebrews reinforces that. He basically says, let's hear it again. I want to tell you what's important about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you why Jesus Christ is a great high priest. I want to tell you he goes on and on. He reinforces the faith. However, as you might expect, I always have a flip side to the coin. Okay? However, the basics of the faith. Sometimes in our mind become rigid and personal, and we think we have it all figured out. Because we've studied, because we've listened, because we know the Scripture. And you know what? I've been here for 25 years, and I have never, ever experienced such a beautifully diverse theological community. I have thrived on it for 25 years because we focus on the basics and we challenge one another to to think well about what it means to follow Christ. And on occasion, someone will say something And I will think to myself, oh my, I thought at first we had a dispute over a cardinal doctrine of truth. But the longer I listen, the more I realize it's an interpretation that they come to the table with that enhances and opens up the vista of my faith. I I want to encourage you to be in that kind of community here. Allow people to challenge your ideas and expand your understanding of what you believe to be true. It is a beautiful thing. In community, your faith is shaped. Second point, community reinforces your faith. Notice in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this long litany that is often called the hall of faith. It's about people who have walked through life. People who were persecuted for their faith. People who died as martyrs for their faith. People who were outcasts because of their faith. You cannot find anything outside Hebrews 11 that you have experienced and someone else has not. If you take a litany of those people, you realize that for the most part, those people have experienced severe persecution and hardship and doubt deeper than yours. And as a matter of fact, 
when I look at Hebrews chapter 11. I say to myself, Bob, you can do this. I say to you, people of God, we can do this. We can follow Jesus. We don't have to turn away because it's hard. And I know sometimes it's hard. So a community reinforces my faith. It helps me know I can do it. I, um, a number of years ago, read a rather lengthy uh, description that was written, a fictional account written by a commentator to try to help the reader of Hebrews understand what the context was like. And again, it's fictional, but I thought it was beautiful. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll give you the background. The background is a fictional story about a young man named Antonius. And Antonius had come to faith, and now life was getting really hard. He was being persecuted. As a matter of fact, the persecutions in his faith had just made his heart grow cold. He didn't know whether or not he believed anymore. He was about ready to give up. Here's the part of the story I want to read. In the midst of his difficulty, Antonio said, missed the weekly meal, <coughs> excuse me, and worship for the past two weeks. And his heart had cooled somewhat towards the little house group. A spiritual itch in the back of his spirit warned him, cautioning him concerning the loss of his perspective. You know what the title of our series is? Adjusting your focus. Yet in recent days, he had begun to snuff such thoughts from his mind as quickly as they came. And Antonius' bitterness over his current circumstances was growing and slowly obscuring the truth. I, I want to pause. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this happen to people I love. The intensity... The doubt will obscure the truth that they once believed completely. That night, the believers were to meet for worship and encouragement. Rumor had it that um, the leaders had received a document from somewhere back east. Although discouraged and tempted to skip the meeting again, Antonio's curiosity was aroused. And he decided to travel the short distance to the neighborhood house at which the fellowship was to meet. And entering the room, he spoke greetings to several friends who looked tired from a long day's work. The hostess offered something to drink and friendly banter began. But dejection hung like a cloud over the room. Not just for Antonio's, but 
for the group. When the meal was finished, the group's leader and a good and godly man of almost 70 years finally arrived. His name was Joseph. Joseph was a bit out of breath, having come to the meeting from a long ways across the city. He was visibly moved as he stood up before them, smiling, the group of about 20, his hand shaking slightly from advancing age. After a few weeks, or excuse me, after a few words of introduction, Joseph took a deep breath and explained that he had talked to the other leaders and talked them into allowing him to allow them to hear the first reading of this scroll. And with a twinkle in his eye, the elder said, I believe you'll find this quite relevant. He unrolled the first part of the parchment and began reading with vigor these opening words. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Those are the opening lines to the epistle of Hebrews. In this fictional account, the elderly gentleman reads the letter. And Antonios's faith is revived. It, it's revived because when you're together... And you remember together, your faith is reinforced. I ask you without allowing you to answer, how many times has that been something like the story of your week? You've come in just absolutely overwhelmed, despondent, discouraged, maybe lacking in faith, maybe wondering whether it's even real anymore. And in this place, You listen to someone. Maybe just read the scripture. Maybe preach a sermon. Maybe sing a song. Maybe share their experience. And your faith is reinforced. Community shapes our faith. It reinforces our faith. And community restores our faith. I I love the the song. I had no idea the the children were going to sing that song today about being rescued, being rescued by God. I don't have it. I don't have what it takes. I need to be restored and rescued. I want to remind you of something that I've said before. After 25 years, I think I've said everything, so um, be patient with my reiteration. At least I know I've already said it, okay? (laughs) There's a wonderful book written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer who went through a lot of trials and was martyred himself. A book called um, Life Together in which he writes these words. The Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. He needs him again and again. When he becomes... uncertain and discouraged for by himself he cannot help himself 
without belying the truth. He needs his brother as a man who is a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the heart of his brother. The Christ in the heart of his brother is certain. And in his heart, Christ is uncertain. I, um, over the years, have borrowed some money. I'm sure most of you have. I borrowed money from the IU Credit Union or from the bank that I bank with. It's the only way to buy a house, unless you're independently wealthy. Perhaps the only way to buy a car. I borrowed money. I want to suggest that in community, you have the opportunity to borrow someone else's faith. There, there's a bank account of faith all around you. And borrowing on it charges you no interest. It's free. So borrow someone else's faith when yours is weak. Final point is that community... Um, this should be number four, but anyway, there we go. Community brings love to your faith. Uh, the passage that we read says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It says motivate in an encouraging way, not in a badger way, not in a condemning way. Why haven't you done enough? We got enough of that. It just says encourage one another. And love and good works. One of uh, the smallest epistles, but perhaps most poignant, is the epistle to James. And you know about it because it says faith without works is dead. And you're from the Reformation tradition like I am. You've heard the debates that rage on about whether or not James is contradicting people like Martin Luther and Paul and Romans and Galatians. Poppycock. It's got nothing to do with that. Okay? Take a look at the book of James. James is not say, saying, follow the law so you can get your salvation. James is saying, if you have faith, you will love your brother. If you have faith, show me your faith by love. This is Bob's interpretation of faith in James. Okay, I'll give it to you. It goes this way. Faith without works of love is dead, and it's no faith at all. That's what faith does for us in community. It teaches us how to love because we are loved, and we love one another, and we love our world. That's where faith is active and real and vital, and we need community to remind us of that and for us to experience it. I like an old man today because I keep referring to 25 years, but it's been 25 years in this one place. And in 25 years, in this place, 
I have never, ever witnessed an unmet need. Oh, there's sometimes people are charlatans. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a true physical financial need. This congregation has always stepped up. Always. Dimming's demonstrating their faith through love. I can't tell you, my friends, how many times myself or Dan know about a need. And people are ashamed and want it to be held confidential. You know what I've done for 25 years, apart from the deacons, which do remarkable work? I know people in this church that I give a phone call to. I catch them after worship. And I say, we got a need. Somebody can't X, Y, Z without ever using a name. And more than once, I have mentioned that. And the person walks out the church door And within 20 minutes, they walked back in because they went to an ATM and they hand me the cash. Community helps us know how to love. Community builds our faith because faith is not static. It is infused with love. And in community, we learn that. So application quickly. Check your own thoughts about your faith with other Christ followers. Don't think you have it all figured out. You might be off track. Second point, maybe you're trying too hard to follow Jesus on your own. That can be lonely. Follow Jesus with others. Third point, consider the idea of a bank account where you can borrow on someone else's faith. Community offers that to you. Hebrews chapter 11, which I've already referred to, talks about a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and they're cheering us on. This uh, Saturday, we had a retreat the board did. And one of the things we did is we put a list together of all the names of the people who are currently attending or have been here in the last three years. Some of the folks on that list have drifted away. Some have moved. Some have gone to other churches. Some have just walked away from their faith. And then there are all of you. Um, when we collated the names, it was almost a thousand names. So if everybody showed up on Sunday, we'd be in trouble, but that never happens. We prayed by name, naming every person on that list, almost a thousand spoke the name, 
paused, spoke the next thing. One person reading while the rest of the elders prayed. Here's, here's my point. In community, you are loved and prayed for. Out of community, you're not. At the beginning of our prayer time, which was all quiet except for the names being pronounced, our chairman of our board, Nate, Hendershot wrote a prayer for an introduction, and I want to end my sermon with that prayer. Holy God, in your presence, we often feel strange and alien, but through the transforming power of your grace, through the life and death of Jesus Christ, of your Son, with the help of your Holy Spirit, we're not strangers any longer. For you have called us now to be citizens with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities pertaining to the life in your kingdom. For you call us now saints, not because we are good or gentle or perfect, but because you have found us and marked us and claimed us for yourself and for your purposes. For you call us now members And you call us to dare to imagine that we belong and have a place in your household. Holy Spirit, help us to remember that we believe in a triune God and not a private deity. We cannot have fellowship with you on our own. Fellowship with you requires fellowship with others who in faith have surrendered to the same God. Faith in you, God, means becoming community. Lord Jesus, we pray now for the people of our faith community, Christ Community Church. Each person, each name is important to you, and we endeavor to speak them all. The task, well, it seems overwhelming. It is, because the list is nearly 1,000 names which together define our community. We know many of them, and some of them we don't know at all, but you know them all. So, together, we speak each name without any specific request. We offer them to you, their loving God, because you know them, and you know just what they need. Great and triune God, hear our prayers.